read from Revelation chapter 2 tonight. Revelation chapter 2. And the first six verses. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. The church of Ephesus here in Revelation, at first glance, were doing all right. In fact, they were doing better than all right. They had a zeal. They had a purpose. They had drive. They had energy. And they were working. They were working hard. And they were focused on what they were doing. But they got so focused on what they were doing, they forgot to focus on the main thing. It seems that perhaps their, their focus got to their work. And their work for God perhaps became their idol. And they were so focused on busyness and their zeal and their purpose that they forgot why the love of God was given to them. This is not a group of people who, who rejected it. This is a group of people who had it. They had it, but they lost it. But it, they didn't have to lose it. But it's worth noting that they lost it. And they were still working for the Lord. That's something we're thinking about. The enemy of our soul is sly. And he's more interested in diverting our attention rather than causing us to turn about face altogether. Allowing us to have a zeal but in the wrong direction is of more use to him. If he can just change our focus and get us busy enough that the love of God seeps out of our heart. We focus on the wrong thing. They were doing all sorts of work for the Lord, so it seemed, but there was very little of it that would have been effective. They wouldn't have had a love for the souls of men without the love of God. How could you? They did not have a love for God. They did not have the love of God. At one point they did, but they lost it somewhere. Somewhere their work became their idol. And they were so busy in their zeal, in their work, that they lost it. But that's not what God intended. When they had it, when God gave it to them, God had a purpose as well. God had a purpose that they would keep it. God had a purpose that they would continue to grow and be built up in the faith and win souls to the kingdom. That would have been God's purpose to give them the love of God in the first place. But here they were so focused on discerning between souls that they forgot to draw the souls into the kingdom. They forgot about the love of God that would draw them. So their work was ineffective. They were busy, but ineffective. And here the Lord tells them that they need to repent. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do thy first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. They had something to do. All their work needed to cease. All that business needed to stop. They needed to look square at where they were and deal with that. And God made that plain to them. 
But what's important is to recognize that it didn't have to be. They lost it, and, that, and it happens. The enemy is uh, in, he's very uh, sly. He comes across very clever. But God had a purpose for them. When God saves us and puts His love in our heart, He has a purpose in mind. He's looking way down the road. He knows what you and I are going to face. But He's looking way down the road, a road of success. His intention is to build us up in the faith. His intention is to take us all the way through. His intention is to hold on to us and to strengthen us. That's His plan. That's His purpose. The Gospel is not weak. The promises of God are not weak. The blood of Christ is not weak. There's no back door. There's no loophole. The Gospel is everything we need. There's no weakness in the Gospel whatsoever. The most successful spies in the Civil War were those who were seemed trustworthy. And they seemed innocent. And it was easy to talk to them. There was one woman in particular who, was a, who owned a bakery shop. And she seemed innocent. And she seemed unassuming. And uh, she was kind to everybody that would come in. But she was gathering information. She was gathering intel. And as soldiers began to talk to her, she would pass it on to the Union Army. They had no idea that they were letting down their guard because of her approach. But that, that's how the enemy is. All we have to do is look at Samson and Delilah. If we want an example in the Bible, she slowly but surely wore him down to, and stole uh, the secret of, of his strength. We can consider uh, Saul for a moment. Saul began, King Saul began his, his uh, career as the king of Israel. He was anointed of God. The Lord gave him a brand new heart. And he was clearly anointed to do what uh, God had called him to do. And he had started out that way. And it seemed to be going well for about a year. Until the time the Philistines started to attack. And he was to wait seven days uh, for Samuel to offer the sacrifice. Seven days were there. It was the seventh day. Samuel was not there. So Saul took it upon himself to offer the sacrifice. And as soon as he did that, Samuel showed up and said, What have you done? If you would have obeyed, the Lord would have established your kingdom forever. If you would just waited and trusted, but just a little bit of a focus, giving into a little bit of fear, a little bit of mistrust, was enough to wreck his, the rest of his life. When Samuel told him to destroy the Amalekites with King Agag, he told him to destroy them completely. And he went down there to do that. He intended to do that. He wanted to do that. He wanted the blessing of the Lord. He had told Samuel, I repent of my mistake. And he went down there and he started to do it. But he spared Agag. He saved the best of the sheep, brought them all back. And again, that conversation, Samuel was asking him, what have you done? I've done it. Saul said, I've done what you asked me to do. He said, but what meaneth the bleeding of the sheep? You haven't done it. But Saul said, I did do it. The people did this. But Samuel said, this was your responsibility. You had the call. This is what you were supposed to do. Samuel insisted. The people did it. I mean, Saul insisted the people did it. Until Saul had to, or Samuel rather, had to dig in a little bit further. Until Saul finally uh, admitted that he had gone astray. Well, he knew as soon as he was called on it, he knew that he made a mistake. There, there's no mystery. How does it happen? We don't just accidentally lose the love of God out of our heart. We don't have to worry about that. It's not just going to fall out of our heart. 
The, the enemy works at us and he tries to turn us little by little, shift our focus. He'll play on our fears. He'll play on our uh, agenda. He'll play on our schedule. He'll play on what people think of us. He'll play on our, he'll play on uh, the thought of gain of any kind. He'll play on our ego. He'll play on anything that's going to turn us just a little bit and get our focus on what we're doing for God instead of on God's love, instead of the souls that God has called us to reach. It doesn't have to be that way, though, because God's intent was that you and I would be a living witness, that you and I would have the the light of the love of God shining out in our lives. And the gospel has everything to give us that kind of victory. The Lord has promised to give us that kind of victory. There's nothing weak in the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen by accident. There's no mistakes. The parable of the ten virgins in uh, Matthew 25. When that call came for all of them to go forth, those five that had let their lamps go out, what did they do? They didn't ask, what do we need to do? They didn't ask, are we ready? They knew. They already knew what had been going through the back of their mind, what what had been in there, in, in their heart. They knew what they needed to do. As soon as they heard that call, they said, give us oil. We've got to get back to where we ought to be. That lamp should have been cleaned. It should have been oiled. It should have been trimmed. It should have been ready. But what caused that? Who knows? Laziness, perhaps, or maybe it's hard to tell just how urgent it was to keep the lamp burning when other people around you with a lamp, you can't really tell what you need. Who knows what it was, but... When it comes down to it and, and, it and the final call went out, they knew exactly what they needed to do. They knew exactly where they needed to be. God is so faithful. God reaches and He reaches and He works with us. And the enemy comes along and says, you're a failure. But it's not true. No, the, the smoking flax He will not quench. And that bruised reed He will not break. He will work with it. And He will bring out strength. He will bring you along. He will bring you in a path of victory. Because God has a purpose for you. He saved you with a purpose in mind. Think about that day that God dropped that love in your heart. How precious that was. Think about how you felt towards those who seemed to be your enemies. You loved them all. Think about the things you were afraid of. You weren't afraid anymore. The love of God was there and lifting you up. You loved everybody. Now that's what the love of God does. The love of God puts that in our heart and we'll have to love everybody. But it's natural to love everybody when the love of God is in our heart. He he puts that love of God into our heart with the intent of bringing us all the way through. All the way through. We need to be mindful of His devices. He's clever. But we don't need to worry. We don't need to, to listen. Isaiah 35 talks about a highway of holiness. A vision of Uh, the gospel of grace, the age of grace we're in, and on into uh, Christ's kingdom. And it it tells us there in chapter 35 that a wayfaring man, though a fool, shall not err therein. In other words, those that that may seem to be uneducated or simple-minded, it makes no difference. Those who want to, to walk in the love of God and be successful in the gospel, it will be obvious. You won't miss it. You can't miss it. You will walk along that path in victory, Without any errors, without, uh, without mistakes or worrying about the love of God slipping out of your heart, God will lead you right along. If you want to be kept, God will keep you. God will lead you. Jude 24 tells us that He is able to keep us from falling and to present, to present us faultless before the glory of His presence. He's able to do that. He's able to keep us from falling. 
Everything that the enemy could throw at us will be overcome by the shield of faith. Sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we just have to stop and believe God. Stop thinking, stop planning, stop analyzing, and just believe God. Find a promise on God's Word, stand on that, and just believe God. Above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That shield of faith will do it. We can simply look up and believe the Lord when we don't have the answers. We don't know the way. We can shift our focus back to believing God and His Word and the Lord will see us through. That's God's intent. All along, from day one, He drew you. He saved you. He changed your life to lead you all the way through to victory. And to walk in this life with victory. Ephesians 5.27 tells us that the Lord will present to Himself a glorious church that He washed in His own blood. That He rescued. He drew in. One by one, He drew them in. And He changed them. He cleansed them. And He will present that bride to Himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That's God's intent. It's true that it can happen, but it doesn't need to happen. Because God has promised us victory all along the way. God has promised to walk with us. God has promised to lift us up. He's promised to be our strong tower. He's promised uh, to put us in a large place. He's promised to lift us up above the world. All those things the Lord will do for us. For the one who just wants to be faithful to Him, the the one who really wants victory, God will make sure you have victory. God will lead you into victory. All it takes is a yielding. And we have to do that. We have to continually examine ourselves. We have to continually yield ourselves to God. We have to continually lay ourselves out before the Lord just to make sure that everything is right. Uh, the Lord will lead us. The Lord witnesses to us. The Lord gives us a strength and a heart of His grace that lifts us up above the world. And if we open our hearts to Him, the Lord will drop in more of the love of God in our hearts. I was listening to a sermon of Brother Frost. He was talking to a man. He shared this in the, maybe the 40s or 50s. And the man was confiding in him what he was facing. And Brother Frost looked at him and said, that's a hard consecration. But the man looked at him and said, yeah, but not once you make it. It's not. Isn't that wonderful? We can get to that place, fully yield to God, and find complete freedom in the Lord. It may be difficult if we're waffling on it, but if we could get to that place where we could just open our hands and let everything go, open our hearts and let everything go, God will take us through. He's promised to do that. God has promised victory tonight. We have another opportunity to pray, to seek the Lord and yield to Him and recognize, don't let the enemy uh, paint you a false picture. Recognize that God saved you with the purpose of building you up and leading you through to better victory, to higher ground. That's why He saved you. He has a purpose in mind. When He called your name and He changed you, He saw down the road what He could do with you and what He wanted to do with you. Let Him have His way tonight. Let's stand and sing 127.